Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about accountability, and we're really holding students accountable in a kind of a little innovative way I want to explore today. But you've had your own bouts of accountability, I'm sure, uh, as have I. I think um, accountability was probably a little bit more prevalent when I was younger as a student. And here's why I say that. I I don't know. I could be wrong. But um, I believe we now uh, find it harder to get permission and to give permission to hold each other accountable. We don't want to be judged. We don't, don't, don't you tell me what to do, you know, that sort of thing. And so even between a teacher and a student, it's just rough today. Uh, Either the student might be fragile or the student might be, um, you know, frustrated or angry that somebody would tell her or him what to do. Absolutely. But my own episodes are quite hilarious. This will not <laughs> shock you. So when I was, uh, I was a student athlete as, as well as a student, and I, I ran on the track team. Okay. So in middle school, that was a 1350. It was distance for middle school, and then I went up from there in high school. But I'll never forget our coach saying, wow, today you were really responding to accountability really well. <laughs> And we all kind of looked at each other like, we didn't choose to, but the more we talked about it, the more we started bursting into laughter. And here's why. We figured out sooner than the coach did that as we were running around that track several times, our form was so much better (laughs) when we ran in front of the cheerleaders. Who happened to be practicing that That's right. That's right. They were right there. And I mean, these were the beautiful ladies. And so suddenly our, our form is beautiful and yeah. our stride was right and our bellies were in and our muscles were showing. And yes. I mean to tell you, <laughs> and our coach thought it was for him. It wasn't for him at all. It was the guys looking good for the girls. Yeah, you were, you were not showing coach anything. No. Right? <laughs> I was showing someone else something. <laughs> but the point is good. Yeah. We all do better when we're watched. Yes. We all do better when we're watched. Yeah. So accountability in its essence is us really just realizing I need someone to watch me. I, I'm going to ask, invite someone to watch me here. Absolutely. So this lost art needs to be recovered. Absolutely. So Andrew, today I want to actually flip this. Okay. I want you to do the majority of the talking. I'll join in, but I want to toss some questions to you because you've got an idea about a social contract that might just be one of the answers to our dilemma. Absolutely. So when we talk about the dilemma, I want to set it up actually by talking about an experience I had pretty recently. So, uh, you know, every fall we launch into uh, kickoff season because uh, so many schools obviously are going back. And so we, uh, myself and Tim and a lot of our speaker team get to travel around the country and uh, meet lots of really great folks and and be with them during their first days of school. And I remember um, just a couple of months ago being in front of a group of Faculty, in fact, almost a hundred teachers at a pretty large uh, high school um, in North Dakota. So they okay. send me up to North Dakota from time to time. Together, we discuss methods of teaching and connecting and leading students. Uh, changes that uh, the changes in our leadership that the 21st century requires. All those different kinds of things. In fact, we talked a lot about student engagement. You yeah. and I end up talking yeah. about that a lot when we go out to folks talking about student ownership, experiential learning, all of those things. And as we were doing some question and answer time at the end of the day, we were discussing the importance of connecting with our students. Right? Yeah. It's so important that we connect. With 
with them. But I, there's also equal challenges because there's requirements for us as an educator, parent, coach, leader of any kind that we also hold them accountable. Yeah. And so this one teacher asked an incredibly insightful question. And she wasn't challenging me. She was saying, this is a genuine problem. Yeah. I've been going back and forth about this. And as I've thought about her question in the couple of months since then, I've begun to believe that the challenge she was experiencing is a universal issue. It's every teacher who is trying to both have a relationship and also keep their students on task struggles with this. Um, it's the problem of any leader trying to lead the next generation today. So while most of us believe that building relationships with our students is the key to creating a safe environment where they can bring their whole selves right. to the classroom, right. that's terminology we use today, this particular teacher found a whole in that goal. So here's what she said. I'm going to paraphrase her question as I didn't scribble it down in the moment. I wish I had. Here's what she said. She said, the problem I'm having is that I'm working to build. She's working really hard to build great relationships with my students. I think they even have started to see me as a friend. And then one of my students does something wrong. They break a rule or they fail to turn in some yeah. assignment. And I step in as the teacher to correct that behavior as I should. And then all of a sudden I can see in my eyes or in their eyes that my students start to see me differently. All of a sudden, I'm back to being an authority figure, and I feel like all that work I've put into that relationship starts to slip away. I immediately empathize with her, yeah, right? We've all been there because we want to create that connection, but then we also have this simultaneous role as the teacher, parent, coach, leader yeah. that where I've got to keep us on track. I've got to hold a high standard. It's a new kind of relationship that young people, as their brains are developing, have to embrace. Yeah. They see us as a pal, but if it's only a pal, it's hard to be a parent. It's hard to be uh, an instructor. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a middle ground. Certainly we need to have a relationship, but we cannot do it at the expense of the ability to correct and admonish and, and hold them accountable. So you're, you're on to something, and so was she with this big question. Absolutely. Well, it, it reminded me actually of um, a story from my own yeah your life. college life exactly yeah. yeah back in college um, I I ended up having to navigate this on the other side as the student right so I'm a college student I was uh, a part of this club and we were all given assignments over the summer we were supposed to work on this uh, big project and bring it in to show it right at the beginning of uh, of the semester and I was actually due slated to be one of the leaders of the college group, right? Yeah. And uh, the leader of all of us, she was the adult who was actually paid to be there among all of us. Uh, her name was Bonnie Marie. And Bonnie Marie um, asked me when I first came back how the assignment went. And I told her, well, I didn't actually really get to all of it. I thought maybe I could, you know, and I, I knew immediately as I was saying this, I have failed. I've yes. not come through yeah. on this. And uh, so I could kind of see in her eyes how she felt, but we actually were ended up driving in a car to head to the team retreat that we were doing that semester at the very beginning. And she let me know in the car, she said, Andrew, I'm kind of disappointed that you yeah. didn't come through yeah. on this project. And so I've got to let you know, I, I was planning to introduce you as one of the leaders, but I don't feel like I can honestly introduce you as one of the leaders if you haven't come through yep. on this summer assignment that I gave you. And so we might be able to talk about you as a leader later on in the semester, but we can't do it up front. And I just remember feeling like, oh, you know, gutted because I was so excited about this. But what she was really doing, and I was realizing it, she was holding me accountable for the mistake that I made. I learned a lot in that moment. You did. And it was meaningful because you did want to please and achieve. But um, 
she was one of her, she practiced one of her habitudes, velvet brick. Yeah. She was velvet. It sounds like she said it very tenderly and caring, but here's the deal. You're yeah. not going to be a leader yet. Absolutely. Um, until you show me. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think I'm, I'm going to be a little, a little humble brag and say, even though I failed in that moment, I did have, I think, the maturity to recognize that what my teacher was doing for me yeah. in that moment was a good thing. Yes, good. So what do we do in a situation where the student is not in that place? Yeah. They, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, but they're not quite there where they're ready to recognize the dual role that you're playing and value that. Well, that's where this social contract thing comes in. No doubt in. about it. So you refrain from this, but that other student that's not ready might toilet paper the house. Yeah, after that's all, right. yeah, and that's we're not recommending that. Absolutely okay. not. Uh, back to seriousness. Yeah, Andrew, this is about social contracts. Uh, this is an age-old idea, but it it's kind of a new life is being breathed into it today. Talk about this social contract. What is it? If you've heard me talk, you know I'm in love with old ideas that have new application, and that's exactly what this is. So the actually idea of a social contract was coined by John Locke, the famous yeah. American philosopher uh, in the 18th century. And what he was trying to do, the idea of the social contract was created to ease any hesitancy in participating in a binding contractual agreement, hmm. especially for parties that would later be beholden to that agreement. Yeah, right. So he was trying to find a way to get people who were going to be held accountable uh, to be more enthusiastic about signing up yeah. for this agreement in the first place. So um, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years is a book by Dr. Adam Sands. Uh, he wrote a book called The EQ Intervention, and he actually talked about social contracts and the classroom in some really interesting ways. So what he said about social contracts in his book is uh, what differenti differentiates the rules of a social contract versus the rules of an institution is that the rules of a social contract are created by group members, mm. not imposed from higher authority. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to result in a greater sense of ownership and responsibility. So let me kind of repeat, rephrase what he's saying here. The best way to create a list of expectations and limitations Good. that students will actually accept is to invite them to help write that list of expectations and limitations themselves. Students support what they help create. We've said it for years, yeah, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, but that's it. exactly what a social contract is. So while it might be time-consuming, maybe you're thinking immediately, you're going, I don't have time for that. Well, why not, well, it might be time-consuming to invite students into this process of defining the rules for your classroom, home, team, or whatever other environment. The upfront pain, I believe, is worth the long-term gain. Yeah. Because once students have helped define the rules, they're going to be, just like John Locke said, more willing to be bound by those rules when the inevitable future conflict arises. We know once we establish rules, we establish those rules knowing that eventually, at some point in the semester yeah. or the year, somebody's going to break one of those rules and we're going to have to hold them accountable. Andrew, you and I both believe that Dr. Sens actually summarized this perfectly. Do you want to share that quote? I, I think that's uh, succinct and clear. I, I love this. Okay, so here's what he says. Social contracts, when implemented effectively, allow us to get the best from one another. At the heart of the social contract is actually, get this, relationship building. Yeah. So we're trying to bridge, bridge the gap between relationship and accountability. Well, that's exactly what this is built on. So think about this. He says, self-awareness is about answering the question, who am I? Empathy is about answering the question, who are you? Mm. Social contracting is about answering the question, who do we want to be together? I love it. And that's what every classroom needs, what every 
sports team needs. Absolutely. Whatever uh, employer, employee, organization needs. It's just, it's just great. Okay, so let's get really practical. For yeah. the remaining minutes we have together, I want you to talk about using social contracts in the classroom specifically, and maybe even there's an application outside. I totally think there is. We're going to zero in on the classroom, but you can apply this to a lot of contexts. And I'll also acknowledge that this social contract thing is going to work a little bit better with your older students. Yes, um, of course. It's hard for a third grader to be able to think through a lot of yeah. the things we're about to talk about. But I do want to recognize, especially for those mature middle schoolers and definitely those high schoolers, they should be able to have yeah. this conversation that we're talking about. So let me offer a few steps on how to to build a social contract, okay? So step one is you take time with your students to write your own social contract. Good. So what you're doing is you're taking a cue from Dr. Adam Sands, gathering those students together and asking them this question. What kind of classroom do you want to have this year? It's a really important question. Yeah. And tell them, we can start philosophically, but we're actually going to get really practical. Yeah. Um, so to set up this discussion, you want to tell your students to establish, we're, our goal is to establish three to seven rules or values that everyone, including the teacher, wow. is going to be bound by for the rest of the semester or the rest of the year, whatever your context yeah. is. Yeah. So start by listening to everybody's ideas, write them up on the uh, whiteboard and begin to whittle down the very popular ones. Ask them if you could only pick one or two of these, what are your top one or two? Yeah. And you can start to zero in on your top three to seven. Uh, if the, if you as the leader feel like something is missing, you make sure you speak up, right? Yes. You have a yes. very important voice in the classroom and say, listen, one of these has to be this and throw it up there and kind of explain to them why. But it's important that while, while your students realize you want them to to uh, feel involved, you also need to recognize your classroom is not a democracy, right? You do still uh, are the leader, and so you may have to throw one of those up in there. I would also point out you want to make sure that your rules apply to both classroom conduct, mm. as in you could say something like, in our classroom, we speak with kindness, or yeah. we listen before speaking, or, or we respect each other. Exactly. Yeah. But you also want to have rules around expectations around schoolwork, like projects, mm. yes. papers, quizzes, tests. Good. So example could be everybody participates equally or we turn in assignments on time, right? So you want to make sure you have rules that are both about classroom conduct yes. as well as academic performance. Um, it's really important. You know, I'm thinking about a time when I was mentoring university students. It was a leadership group, extracurricular activity, but I started this way. I didn't even know to call it a social contract, but I said, all right, what do we want to accomplish in this? And they were all hungry, these 18 to 22-year-olds. And they came up with this, we, we will hold each other accountable mm. to, co to attend every meeting. We won't meet unless we all can meet. I love that. That was high, yeah. high level accountability. Uh, two, we will read every book that we decide we're going to read together, every assignment we're going to do it. We're going to practice a leadership principle each time we meet. And then, get this, we're going to reproduce. We're going to multiply in one other leader when we're done. But when this was a collective goal, suddenly I could remind them of what they said, not just I said, along the way. It was powerful. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, this is exactly what we're trying to do. So uh, I'm going to take us on to step two, yes. which is a little bit complicated. Well, not really complicated, just tricky, right? Yeah. Because what we're doing, number, step number two is establish the consequences. If we're going to be talking about rules, values, expectations, we have to have consequences to those things. Yeah. So after you've established your rules, you need to talk about the consequences. What you're doing in this step is transforming your rules into what we at Growing Leaders like to call 
equations. So Tim, I, you're the one who taught me about this, so I'd love for you to explain the difference between a rule and an equation. Yeah, they're definitely akin, but they're much easier swallowed when you talk about equations rather than rules. I don't know too many kids that love more rules. Yeah. So uh, a rule is often a negative. They feel like they're confining and uh, pun- pu- penal, punitive. Yes. Yeah. Equations are just how life works. Yep. An equation is if you do this, then of course that is the consequence. Yes. But if you do that, this is the benefit. Yes. But you're explaining it in a uh, cause and effect Absolutely. Uh, way. So my own kids or my students realize we establish up front there's an equation at work. Yep. So everybody knows it's not a shocker. You don't turn into this mean spirited ogre yep. when you have to level the. Co- it, man, this is an equation. Yep. Yeah, it's it it sort of makes it easier for the student to go, you know what, the yeah. thing that's happening to me to me now is a result of my choice. Yes. Right? It's a natural yeah. equation that's, that's happening. Right. That's right. So one way to think about it is to ask the question, if a student were to break one of these newly established rules, what would be the agreed upon and expected outcome? Yeah. Right? So that that could be the way that you set it up with your students. So to, you first got to start by communicating to your students any policies at your institution that are in place, yeah. but then you want to leave room for them to add to that. So yeah. if, for instance, if your, your institution requires you to report a student who's caught cheating, right, your class could also decide to add something to that. Yeah. For this classroom, we're going to add something to that. So yes, the teacher is going to report you, but they may require that that student stand in front of the whole class, admit what they did, and apologize to the whole class yeah. for that action. That's huge. It's huge. But you know what it's reminded me of? Coach K, when he coached the 2016 Olympic uh, basketball, men's, men's basketball team, uh, he said, I admit I was a great coach. I'd been around a long time, but I'm now coaching Superstars. LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Major stars that made more money than he did. Yeah. And they'd already won NBA championships. So what is I, what do I, remember, here's what he did. He met with some of the influencers and he said, now I need you to speak up because I'm going to leave this up to you as to what kind of team we're going to have. So they did have the basic rules, like you said. What are the school policies? Well, there were Olympic policies. But after that, he said, all right, fellas, what do you want to add? And it was quiet for a moment, but one of them chimed in. I might have been Kobe, uh, chimed in and said, I think we ought to be on time. I think Mm. it's disrespectful if we're not on. Good, let's add that to the list. But Coach K said, I let all of them add to the list. Yep. And boy, did they hold each other accountable. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So that's really what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. The goal here is not to be harsh, but to ensure that breaking the contract has consequences. And ones that we can all hold one another accountable for, which is actually step three. Uh, So step three is probably the hardest one because it's implementing your social contract by holding one another accountable. But the idea here is now that since we've all worked together to create this, it's not just the teacher's responsibility to hold people accountable. We're all doing So when done correctly, the social contract should hold itself up because every member of the class is now equally responsible for seeing it enforced. In fact, Dr. Sands says part of the value of the social contract is that the teacher does not have to be the bad cop when rules are broken. Since these are rules students created and were not imposed on the students by authority figures, the contract itself and the students' collective agreement serve as the enforcers. Your only job 
is to hold students accountable to the equations they have helped to establish themselves. And that's really what we what you're changing. That day when I uh, had that teacher ask that question, I, I empathized with her first, right? But then I actually suggested this as one possible alternative. And she, she was like, that's a great idea. I'm going to try that this yeah. year. Yeah. And I hope that there are a few uh, folks who will do that out there. Absolutely. Um, I want to add one last quote if okay, I can, sure. and then I actually want you to close with a story. Um, a few months ago, we were in our weekly team development time, so every Thursday our team gets together and we learn from one another. But I remember our president, Steve Moore, standing up, and he actually said something that I scribbled down really quickly. Uh, so I, I missed that lady's question in North Dakota, but I got this one yeah, scribbled yeah. down. Here's what he said. He said, change initiatives are often derailed not because people disagree with the plan, but because they are disappointed with the process. Mm. And I think this applies here more than anywhere else. Uh, so yeah. many times, the reason students are not following the rules or staying in line or whatever, not being, not holding themselves accountable, is simply because they, not because they disagree with the rule, but because they didn't, they weren't involved in how the rule got established, mm. the process by which that happened. Many times, I think our students struggle to follow the rules simply because they just weren't there when they were yeah. written. So we're really flipping the script and creating an opportunity. And I think when we create that zone for our students to feel like they have ownership, like they belong, like they're a part of helping create something. They are just so much more invested. And engaged. And engaged. So the classic picture of, that I'm thinking about, Andrew, as we wrap this up, is how young the team was that actually first put the United States NASA Apollo program on the moon. Yeah. So uh, most of you know the story that John F. Kennedy, who was president in 1961, made the prediction that by the end of the decade, we would put a man on the moon. Uh, he he started holding them accountable. He would visit Houston and visit NASA. But the fact of the matter is, I was shocked when I learned there were supervisors who were well into their careers but the average age of the operators, you know, you see all those desks and computers back yeah. in the 60s when they did this, were 20-somethings. Really? The average age was like 27 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, Garmin, who was the guy that actually was the, that pulled the proverbial trigger and said, let's land this thing. I don't see any other reason to hold back. 20, 23 years old. So here's what wow. happened. Wow. Back then, when JFK said, we're going to put a man on the moon, NASA didn't even have the technology to do such a thing. Everything so was had, new. They had to get all new computers from MIT, and you know, it, just, it was just all new stuff. Well, the guys that had worked at NASA didn't know how to work these computers. They weren't natural yet. They were smart, but they were older and not natural. These recent grads that had just graduated said, I know how to use it. Yeah. You know? So, uh, in fact, they probably even said it just like that. Yeah. I know how to I, use I know that. How to use that. Yeah. So, um, a lot of them were interns three years earlier uh, when NASA had an internship program. So, fast forward 22 years old, now they're now 25, but they're put in charge of this station. It's crazy. And they're calling out, go, 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 when they're looking at all the. And of course, we all know the end of the story. In July of 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin put their foot on the moon, and we won the space race, at least in landing on the moon. But looking back on that, it was young men and women that held each other accountable and allowed their supervisors, their mentors, if you will, as they did the work to hold them accountable. What I love about it was high stakes. Yeah. And maybe that's part of this. Maybe they'll adhere to those 
that accountability if we say this is important that we do this and explain it why. So mm. may that be an inspiration to all of us as we create our social contracts. Andrew, thanks for leading us today. Yeah. This, this has been really, really practical. Well, thank you for that story. It's such a great reminder of how much our students are actually capable of if we would see the value in them and draw it out, give them participation and draw that out. So thank you again for that, Tim. Well, uh, if you're looking for ways to communicate about with your students, in fact, develop in them these really important life principles, right? Things like learning to communicate really well, learning to take ownership of their life, managing their own time, their own schedule, having personal discipline. Those are actually all life skills. In fact, yeah. they're commonly called social and emotional learning yeah. skills. And we actually have a way to teach those. So if you're looking to sort of start upstream and start building those skills in them before they even need them, we have a great tool called Habitudes. Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. What we do is we use stories, pictures, and metaphors to communicate life principles, social and emotional learning skills, and to start conversations with them. So every habitude includes a conversation that students are a part of. It's all about engagement. So if you want to find out more about habitudes, we invite you to go to growingleaders.com. In fact, I I want to point you towards habitudes for social and emotional learning. We have a middle school and high school edition of that program. So just go to growingleaders.com slash SEL to find out more about habitudes for social and emotional learning. As always, if you want to rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. You might actually quite literally get the word out by sending this podcast to somebody who you think might find it helpful. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, stuff we should talk about, people we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Uh, Thank you, Tim, so much for leading us today. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, you bet. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.